Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. Today, I'm joined by Mike Simonson, the founder and CEO of Altos Research, to talk about inventory as we kick off the spring home buying season. First, here's a word from our sponsor. Hi, this is Diego Sanchez, COO of HW Media, and I'm joined today by Alex Ilazai, Chief Strategy Officer at United Wholesale Mortgage. Thanks for joining us today, Alex. Hey, Diego. Thanks for having me. Good to be here. Yeah, I mean, the Broker Channel's had a great couple of years of growth. Do you expect that growth to continue in 23? Yeah, we do. I mean, as you mentioned, you know, in the third quarter, uh, which was the latest quarter, actually fourth quarter, is about 22.5% or so of the market is broker now, which is, I think, at the highest since 2009. So we're continuing to see great trends in the overall growth of the channel. And we expect it to be 33% by 2025, 26. Like, that's uh, what we're expecting to, to, to see the numbers come in at. And a lot of that is being driven by just literally hundreds of retail loan officers that are leaving retail and joining wholesale every single month. So those numbers are continuing to do great. And we're actually seeing as another example, uh, Diego, at UWM here, you know, we have about four to 500 loan officers that come in every single week for success track, which is a great opportunity for them to learn, develop, network, and help grow the overall broker channel together. So you see a couple thousand people a month uh, that are coming in, and that was happening in all of last year, right? And all the years, you know, several years before that when we started. But if you think about like the times that we're in, right? Everybody talks about a lot of the negativity, and that's what the usual focus on. But the reality is, people are excited about it. Brokers are excited about it. The market's growing, and at UWM, obviously being 100% wholesale, no other company in the mortgage space is better positioned than we are. I love seeing the confidence and the leaning in that's happening at UWM. Alex, thanks so much for joining us today and sharing your insights. Thank you. It's good to spend time with you. Mike, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you. Great to be here. Great to have you on. I know you were um, you did a podcast with Diego when I was out. So this is the first time that I've had you on the podcast. So very excited to get to pick your brain today. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I know that um, you have a webinar today, actually, that's going to dive into some of these topics even deeper. So I'll put the link to that. Um, Listeners, you can find that in the description of this podcast. But, um, you know, what we want to talk about today, what you're going to what you're going to talk about in the webinar is the spring home buying season and inventory, which is a huge concern right now to everybody. Yeah, and and it's really the signals that we can already see for the, the spring home buying season. We started the year coming off the fourth quarter, third and fourth quarter of last year, where we expected the market, you know, the market had slowed way down and, you know, buyers were out of the market, like really cold in the third and fourth quarter. And so based on those assumptions, you, we expected that inventory would be climbing each week because not very many buyers and some spring sellers, and therefore inventory would be would be climbing each week starting you know sometime in January, which would be pre-pandemic would be a totally normal occurrence. Um, but inventory has been falling each week and pretty pretty consistently and and strongly, meaning um, demand is higher than than we expected based on last fall. Demand is higher than we expected, and very few sellers really have any motivation for selling, you know, for unloading the, their, 
their house with a 3% mortgage or, or lower, it's such a good deal that, that, you know, so fewer sellers and slightly more buyers than expected. And as a result, inventory is still falling. It's now mid-March. Um, it's very rare that inventory would be falling this late in the year. And it looks like we've got a couple more weeks of inventory decline before it starts climbing in April or so. Yeah, I think the thing that I've learned, you know, looking at your research, listening to your YouTube uh, explanations, and just knowing what what you're talking about is that you say, you know, there's no cavalry coming. Like people are like, where where is this inventory going to come? We, we're heading into spring. What's your take on that? Are, are we about to be saved somewhere? Uh, I, I don't I don't see any signals anywhere in the data that says any kind of surge of inventory is coming. You know, if you are bearish, particularly bearish on housing and and think that the economy is tanking and therefore housing is going to uh, have to slow down or turn lower again, if that's your view, you you have a view that demand is going to drop and that supply is going to increase. And so some of the hypotheses about where supply might come from would be, you know, investors that are panicking. Oh, I'm not getting my rents and my, my costs are going up. And, uh, or I have, I bought Airbnbs and I have a bunch of Airbnbs and now all of a sudden I don't have, um, people who want to stay in them. Uh, or it's like I've lost my job and now I can't afford my mortgage. These would be the scenarios, right? So, um, job losses or investors panicking, but and those may happen, right? We may get to a point where, where uh, the economy tanks and, the, and things like th- those contribute to inventory. But as of right now, they have not happened. So people are still well-employed in the country um, the, and, and investors are holding on to their cheap mortgages um, and rents had climbed so much over the past few years that that we really haven't seen any of those potential places for inventory to come. Uh, they they simply haven't shown up yet. Well, where are we? Give us the headline numbers. Where are we this year versus this time last year, or maybe a more normal year before COVID? Well, so right now there are four hundred and twelve thousand single family homes available on the market this week as of as of Friday. Uh, pre-pandemic, like 2019, there were basically twice that, over 800,000. Earlier in the decade, there would be over a million homes on the market right now. And there's 412,000. Um, you know, last year, of course, was at the peak of the frenzy fi- before we finally turned the quarter and came out. And so there were, there were only 248,000 last year at this time. We were buying everything. And so there were few sellers and tons of demand. And so nothing was staying on the market. So we have, we have more than we did last year. We have significantly more, 66% more. But it's, that's, that the difference is, is compressing each week now because inventory is falling now. And by this time last year, the mortgage rates were rising. And, and so demand was slowing already. So, so, so the supply had turned the corner and started rising by mid-March. And this year it's still falling. And so that the the difference over last year is actually declining each week now. It's so crazy. I mean, this is, these are such low numbers. I can't believe we were that low last year. But I mean, 400 and something for the whole country is just like, you know, as we're heading, as we're in the middle of March. As we're in the middle of March. That's right. And, and so, you know, normally you get 
inventory would bottom in, you know, January or February. It'd be climbing each week now and then peak uh, in July and, and then start falling back off again in the fall. Uh, if inventory, like as it looks now, like it probably turns the corner end of March, early April before it starts climbing, uh, that implies um, that, you know, we may end the year with 500,000 single family homes. Like, so still in our total pandemic range, not getting anywhere back to close to normal. And, and we had, I had, I had most of my assumptions had been based on the fact that like we must be getting back close to normal. Maybe, maybe if the, like I said, big recession hits, a lot of job losses, maybe some of those things contribute to, to a bigger increase in inventory the second half of the year, but they're not in the data yet. So my question is when, when inventory gets pushed from the, the typical seasonality of like, okay, it starts to rise in February and goes through, if it gets pushed to April, say, or the, or the end of March, does it then push out on the other side? Or is there that stop, that hard stop in the summer because people are trying to get in for schools? You know, during the pandemic, uh, 2020, 21, we, the end of the year, had more demand also. So the end of the year was uh, declining faster. The prices were still going up when normally the year peaks, uh, you know, at, at um, June 30th for pricing and then, and then would start re- receding. And, and so during the pandemic, we were buying off, off seasonality, right? We didn't have to worry about kids in school because we were, so we were buying in November and there were those kind of things that were, that were happening. Um, uh, it's not clear to me. I think what's what this year looks like is really going to be based on the economy, um, you know. And we talked about the, the couple of the the risks, but on the other side, if if the economy comes in hotter than expected and inflation stays persistent, then what if mortgage rates climb over eight percent? And if they climb over eight percent, that would be the other side of that coin. That would be the other risk for for you know slowing demand way down again and like it was last year and and um and so then you could imagine that that um you know it, that inventory would rise later in the year than it normally would that is a horrible scenario and we hope that doesn't happen <laughs> Between you and me, no, eight percent. Um, you know, we, we're seeing a little bit, uh, a little bit uh, go down since the whole SBV thing. So, you know, I would rather see that trend. Really interesting, though, that you can see, like, you know, there is that that it's a seasonality thing. Like, there, this, these are the patterns of home buying that have been true for decades. That, true for decades, and they're pretty close to the week, right? So we track every home in the country every week, and so you can see it's. You know, June 30, well, July 4th is a holiday and it goes down and, and it doesn't come back up after that. It peaks June 30th. And you know, so it's really close. And so when inventory, you know, is the, the bottom, the nadir of the curve is delayed from, say, you know, January 15th to March 30th, that's a significant change. And it could be that because we're in a world now where everyone in the country has 3% mortgages or cheaper that that we may be like the pre-pandemic times may never come back like nor that normal may never come back again 
Uh, I, I don't have enough of a crystal ball to to know whether that is the case. Like, are we just do we just expect that inventory now bottoms in March, um, and you know, or or do we uh, or does it sometime get back to what we what we knew as normal before? I think that is such a great point. Now, uh, I have an ongoing dispute with Logan Motoshami about whether this we are seeing a mortgage rate lockdown, but but. We're not going to get into that. But what I will say is that the whole idea of a new normal, because the thing that is, you know, people are now, they have these low rates and that's not going to change next year or the year after that or the year after that. So like, at what point do we say this is the normal? Right. And, and is it, you know, it took us a decade to get here with lower and lower inventory every year. More and more people had cheaper mortgages. Those, those homes made better sense as investments because as my mortgage is cheaper, the, the revenue is better. Like I, the, the, each home is like, it makes sense to hold two mortgages at 3% rather than selling the first one to buy the second one. So that doubling up occurred, but it, but it took a decade, right? And, and so, um, does it take a decade of rates at seven, 8%? Before we get those inventory levels back to normal, like do do they inch up over that time? That's a that's a possibility. It's going to be really fascinating to see. Well, let's talk about specific markets. I think one of the things that is fascinating about Altos Research, we love this data, and I know that uh, your your customers love this data because you can nail you can drill down into specific markets by the week. So let me let me pick your brain a little bit. You know, what are some of the outliers on inventory right now? Like where where are we seeing uh, some some pretty good inventory around the country? So almost most of the country, especially the central, northeast, mid-Atlantic, those markets mostly have pandemic crisis low inventory levels. Those are roughly the same levels of supply as they had last year at this time. There are a handful of markets, the the ones that boomed the biggest during the pandemic, uh, places like Austin and Phoenix and Boise, uh, the, the the West, mostly the American West. Um, those 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 markets inventory climbed most dramatically last year. So there were there's a lot of like inbound migration buyers or like people buying from California who you could go and spend a million bucks in Austin and not blink. And, you know, there were those kinds of buyers and those stopped and therefore, but the sellers didn't stop. So the inventory climbed in those. Uh, And so they climbed dramatically third and fourth quarter last year. Uh, A few of them got to pre-pandemic 2019 levels uh, of inventory. And what's interesting is right now, uh, Austin is uh, of the of the big metros that I've been watching. Austin is pretty much the only one that has just higher than 2019 inventory levels right now. Uh, Phoenix got there, but is declining. For example, right now, so um, uh, so Austin is like maybe one market that is like the the most. Uh, the slowest to to pick up this spring recovery and is still kind of in its in the slowdown of last year, um, and probably because it had the most you know dramatic import of of Californians you know overbidding and that stopped the most quickly. Um, so that so that's an interesting one. It's watching Austin. The other thing that I've noticed is uh, 
we we watch we use the percentage of homes on the market with price reductions as an indicator of demand. So when a house doesn't get an offer, it takes a price cut. And so as the percentage of the of homes with price cuts climbs, then you know demand is weakening. And so we could see price reductions climb across the country last year from from record low levels to to high-ish, not 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 bubble high, but high um, across the whole country. And, and like it was notable, um, that now has come back down across the country, uh, back into much more normal ranges, right? We have few homes, we have moderate demand. And so the homes are moving uh, and enough that people, they're priced at the right point where they don't have to do price cuts. So about, about 30% of the country has had a price cut right now. That's a totally normal range. Um, what I've, what we've noticed though, is last fall, it was Austin and Boise and, and Salt Lake city and Denver and Phoenix. These were all price reductions. They, they climbed way up, uh, this spring, it's actually shifted more to Florida. So the, 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 some of the Western markets recovered a little bit and the Florida markets are now at the top of the, of the price reductions, uh, ranking, you know, the ones with the most price reduction. So Austin's still at the top, but, but the Florida markets have, have shifted. So, you know, last year it was like the Florida markets slowed slower, uh, but now they're catching up and, uh, and the Western U S markets are a little more volatile, uh, pick it up when when demand's up and and slow down when demi- de- demand is slower. So I feel like Tampa is like the Austin of Florida, right? As far as like what we saw there, maybe not because you know Elon Musk isn't moving a factory there. You know, we maybe not from that perspective, but it felt like it was on every list I looked at last year. So Tampa specifically, what are you seeing there? So Tampa, the Central Florida markets, Tampa, Orlando, Jacksonville, uh, all of those markets are the ones that are uh, starting to to dominate the price reductions list now. Which, um, which means that th- you know they they slowed slower, um, but they're now catching up to the, the you know what happened in the in the West last year. Uh, interestingly, in Florida, Miami is is on a different cycle than the rest of uh, of the state and you know Miami is is very much international money latin american money that kind of stuff and so driven by different forces but but also a, was a big booming market during during the pandemic and has not slowed nearly as much as the rest of the state that is fascinating. I agree. I feel like Miami is just its own. It's in its own location, its own world, really, in every way. Yeah, and, and I was talking with um, Inez, who is the the uh, this year's chair of the Miami Association of Realtors I, on my my podcast last week, and Inez pointed out that a lot of Miami investment is driven by Central American uncertainty. So. You know, in Argentina right now, suddenly it's a hundred percent inflation, and so money has got to flood out of of Argentina and go someplace. And so Miami is, uh, you know, as, as she put it, as close to the U.S. as you can get and still be in Central America, <laughs> Latin America. <laughs> I love that. So interesting. So Florida. So are there any markets where you're like, wow, um, these these markets actually they they have a very a, a big shortage of inventory and maybe in a way that's surprising. 
Well, I, I think that, like I said, the, the, the Midwest and Northeast markets are still really at their 2022 lows, maybe just a little bit higher of inventory. Did not see any surge of inventory last year. And you can imagine that's because, you know, in Austin, you've got builders and you've got, you know, sellers selling into and you've got Californians buying everything. When Californians stop buying everything, the, the sellers... And don't, the sellers don't stop, uh, then then they then or they they trying to hurry hurry to the market. They're like, wow, if I'm going to unload this thing to some Californians, I got to get it out now, right? And so <laughs> in April, May, June, July last year, they're hurrying as much as they could to get get to market. But if you're in Philadelphia, you don't have that dynamic at all, and so all you have are people with like cheap mortgages. Uh, and they're like, well, if I'm moving to Florida, I'm just going to keep this one for a rental. And so that never, because it's, it's so cheap to keep it, it never becomes resale. And so then you end up, you know, in, in Philadelphia and Chicago and, you know, places in the Northeast where you don't need to unload it or you don't want to unload it. And so the inventory is staying super low. You know, we, we know that inventory has a direct, uh, you know, reflection on home prices, right? It's one, it's one of the drivers, you know, right? Right. Supply demand. So what do you think, uh, is, is waiting for us this spring when it comes to home prices? So home prices are, uh, they have adjusted, uh, down, um, you know, from the peak. And when we look at year over year pricing in Altos, we're tracking a bunch of different measures of pricing. Check. Here's every home on the market. Here's the median price of every home. But here's also the homes that get listed this week, the cohort of new listings each week. And that's a leading indicator where future sales are going to be. And we have, we track the price of the ones that went into contract this week, the pendings. Um, and so when we look at the pendings and the new listings, those are actually down year over year. So last year was spiking up. Prices were spiking up still right now. Um, in mid March, and they ke- they kept going, but but so we can see that the places where the new listings are coming and the places where people are buying, they're actually down a fraction year over year, um, and pretty close to flat, but flat to down, and so you know that's how you can see that the headline home prices, things like the Case Shiller and NAR, some of those numbers, those are going to show down year over year for several months. Like we'll, we'll be, you know, you'll be seeing the headlines. I'll be like, home prices are down. But um, what, what we can see in the data right now is there's not additional downward pressure on prices for the rest of the year. And we know this because, for example, the price reductions aren't happening. So homes are listed but they're not taking other price cuts because they're going into contract. They've sort of found that that equilibrium, and so what we can see is that while the while the head, we can see that the headlines are still going to report the closed sales are still going to report down year over year, uh, flat to down um, for the next several months. The stuff that closes la- later in the year, those headlines will be that like it's not going to continue to drop from here. I think this is one of the um, real advantages of having the kind of data that Altos Research has, which is it doesn't lag. I mean, you're you're going off last week's what was happening in the market in different markets in every market last week. Yeah, for sure. And and not only that, it's um, it's you know what the traditional housing data looks at 
sales price. This house sold for this much. And that sales data is lagging. It's not even current. So a house is on the market now. If it doesn't get an offer, it takes a price cut in April. Then it gets an offer and it closes in May or June. And then in July or August, you start hearing about that data, right? But we can see right now what's happening. Right? We can see right now that the homes don't need price cuts. And we can see right now where the new listings are they're pricing lower than last year, but it's not, they're not tanking each week. So like all of that signal is already there. Um, and and so we can um and so yeah, that's the the value of doing this as opposed to the traditional way, which is like, you know, right now the the case shill, the most recent case shiller number is like November or something ridiculous. It's like, you know. It's like a, you know, a generation ago <laughs> kind of thing. So, but those are going to continue to report negative for a while. So I think that's really interesting um, when you talk about the the home prices and they're they're flat. They're sort of flat, a little bit down, but that's flat from last year, right? Or that's or or like when you when you are looking at home price, you're comparing them just to last year. To last year over year, that's right. Last year at this time. Okay. Yeah. And, um, and so for example, the price of the new listings, like all the homes, the 74,000 or whatever homes that came onto the market this week was, were priced at, uh, like $399,000. That's the median price of those homes. Last year was just a hair, a dollar, 300, 399, $999. Like it's a, a, like, it's like a fraction higher last year. So if you were listing your home last year, you know, that you were listing at like a little bit, a fraction higher than uh, than than you are this year um, across the whole country. And so that's that, you know, unusual in the time series. Normally it's it's up right in, in, in as home prices have been climbing so much over the last decade. We have you and I both. Uh, anybody who's in this industry, we know. I mean, there are so many people out there going like, "Oh, housing's about to crash," and you know, I I, I love the people on social. They're like, "Something bad's about to happen," and and they don't say what it is, and they're like, "I'm just telling you, it's bad," or "This is the first thing," but they never go into detail. So it just like preys on people's like general anxiety. It's like, well, yeah, something bad's happening somewhere at some point. But I think that what's interesting to me is like uh, they're down, but those were historically high numbers. So from my perspective, it's it's not some sort of crash scenario. It's not like, um, or people who are like, well, I'm just going to wait out the market. I'm not sure you can wait out this market. Well, yeah. So th- I think you have a few, few good points there. One is that um, people are afraid of uh, economic conditions that may indeed come home to roost, right? Like they may come and hit us. We may have a big recession. We may have big job losses. There are signals that, that those could be coming. There are, um, there are signals that, you know, we had bank runs last week. There, there are signals that there could be indeed be more economic turmoil coming. And some people, uh, especially in social media have, uh, real strong opinions that those are coming. Uh, and so then they say, well, those are coming. Therefore, housing, it must tank. Um, and and they get mad at me when I say, well, it might, it, I don't know if recession's coming. Like, that's not my expertise. Um, but 
what I can tell you right now is that it's not tanking. And so, you know, they, they conflate this, their conviction that the economy must crater from here with the measure. What I'm doing is I'm measuring what's happening now. And I, like I try to say, is like, when that happens to housing, I'll report it. You know, and, and so that, and it's really tough. And so people, you know, people have real strong opinions and, uh, and I, I don't, uh, I've learned that I don't have, um, I've learned to have humility on think predicting things like inflation and recessions and mortgage rates. Like, I don't know any of that. Right. I, I, what I'm doing is like, here's what's happening in the housing market right now. That's so valuable because and it's valuable for real estate agents and, and mortgage companies trying to plan their spring, trying to plan their summer. Like how much staff do they have to have? How much staff do they not have to have? You know, what what can they think of as far as their volume and what it looks like? And so this is why that sort of almost real time data. I mean, last week's data that, you know, this week um, is so helpful. So I, I so appreciate having you on, Mike. Um, I'm going to have you on again uh, regularly so we can uh, update us as we get into more of the spring home buyer market. But thank you so much for being on today. Always a pleasure, Sarah. Success might look different this year, but it's out there for those willing to work for it. That's why 2023's Gathering of Eagles will focus on forging opportunities, the perfect chance for industry leaders to take a proactive approach to continually move the needle in their businesses and the real estate industry at large. Gathering of Eagles will bring together the nation's top residential real estate CEOs, presidents, and C-level leadership teams to grow, network, and set the pace for what's next in our industry. 2023's GOE is at Omni Barton Creek Resort in the rolling hill country of Austin, Texas from June 18th until the 21st. Learn more and register your spot on the events page at realtrends.com. And we can't wait to see you in Austin. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.